Welcome, 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 boys and girls, geek to nerds, to another exciting episode of Geek to Me Radio. Today I am joined by writer, producer, actor, author, Greg Weissman. If you're a fan of cartoons in general, then you're going to love this segment. Stand by. And we go right to the phone lines. My guest is, as I said, writer, producer, actor, author, Greg Weissman. You know him from many, many, many different works of his. Uh, if you're a fan of Gargoyles in the 90s, if you currently like Star Wars Rebels, Spectacular Spider-Man, and of course, Young Justice. We miss it. We want a third season. Greg, thanks very much for calling in. Uh, happy to do it. So I, I was going over the list of all the stuff you've done, and the ones I just named off are just part of them. Um, was this something that you always wanted to do, to be in this kind of uh, the geek environment as far as the writing and producing? Uh, you know, I, I'm fundamentally a storyteller. That's been true my whole life. Um, and uh, if I had been born during the Renaissance, I'd be that guy on a donkey going from town to town with a loot, you know. Uh, <laughs> so it's good I wasn't born during the Renaissance because I can't play the loot worth a damn and um, I look awful in tights. But um, <laughs> but that's the deal, you know. In other words, the medium to me, um, I, I enjoy working in all sorts of different media and uh, that's less important to me than the ability to tell stories. Now, of course, I am a big, huge, massive geek, um, love comic books, love superheroes, love all that kind of stuff, science fiction, fantasy, in particular detective fiction, um, and so all those sort of genres. What I love in particular about the superhero genre is that it is such a bastard genre that combines uh, science fiction and fantasy and, mm -hmm. and detective fiction and all those other genres are all um, weaved into the superhero genre so that what's great, what's fun for me about doing shows in that genre and, I, and most of the ones you named are included there uh, is that there's so much flexibility to um, that genre. So even a show like Gargoyles, which wasn't guys in tights and capes flying around, was still basically a superhero show without the trappings. Mm -hmm. But that again yeah. allowed us to do stories that combine mythology and Shakespeare and um, myths and, and legends and um, science fiction and all sorts of great stuff. And, and that maximum level of flexibility makes for fun storytelling for a goofball like me. 
Absolutely. I just recently took a course from the Smithsonian online uh, talking about the rise of superheroes and how basically the, the comic books are our modern mythology with uh, the, you know, the, the Greek gods and everything like that kind of brought to life in a way. And there's even been some episodes of Batman, the animated series that kind of reference that when uh, Zeus is his enemy and he gets put in Arkham and he sees Poison Ivy as Demeter and uh, Two-Face as Yanis. So there is that great mythological background, as you mentioned. And you also mentioned Shakespeare. You are a Shakespeare fan, really, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a massive Shakespeare fanboy. Um, big time. I uh, uh, don't have the kind of free time that I used to have, but there was a point in my life where I would uh, go all over to to watch Shakespeare wherever I could find it. And just the, this uh, summer, I went up to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and um, saw Timon of Athens, which was, is a very rarely produced Shakespeare play. Hmm. What that means is I've now seen all of the canon Shakespeare plays performed oh, except wow. for King John. I'm still missing King John, but once I see King John, then I'll have seen them all. Well, St. Louis Shakespeare puts it on. I'll make sure to let you know so you can come down here and see it. <laughs> Though, did, Was that something you were just kind of born with? Or was it something you got turned on to in school that you just all of a sudden latched onto and loved, that your love of Shakespeare? Uh, really, not till college. I mean, even in high school, um, the appeal of Shakespeare kind of eluded me. Um, and uh, But once I got to college, it just sort of clicked for me. I had a great Shakespeare professor there, uh, uh, the late Ron Rebholtz, and um, that helped. And I uh, also spent a semester in Oxford studying Shakespeare there. And, um, and I just saw some incredible productions during that time and um, and immediately after I after college I moved to New York City to work for DC Comics and there's great Shakespeare in New York so mm. then I came back to Los Angeles I'm from LA and and I moved back here and there's great Shakespeare in LA and near LA in San Diego and again back in those days um, I would drive out to Utah and go see the Utah Shakespearean Festival where I would uh, go up to Oregon and see the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and um, just sort of hunted it down everywhere. Now, I know some people, uh, I've, I've had some discussions with friends who are also Shakespeare lovers, and uh, I've had one or two get upset when I brought up the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged because they say, oh, it's making fun of it. But I think they, obviously they embrace it in order to make fun of it, as it were. Uh, have you seen a production of that? I haven't, no. I, I don't have any problem with it, but I haven't personally seen it. Very funny. If you, if you get the chance to, I, I highly recommend that one. And uh, a lot of the gargoyle characters were named after Shakespeare. And even the uh, the novel you've got out, Reign of, Go Reign of the Ghosts, is set in Prospero Keys. Um, obviously a nod to Shakespeare as well. Uh, there's a lot of Shakespeare, particularly The Tempest and Reign of the Ghosts, and, and that series, including Spirits of Ash and Foam. And, uh, the Tempest plays a major mm -hmm. role in uh, that. And a lot of the nomenclature... Uh, comes there, but it's actually as the book series progresses, or as it will progress, hopefully um, the connections to the Tempest will be more and more obvious, but um, yeah, I've used Shakespeare in as much of my work as I could get away with. Um, we had not just characters named for Shakespearean characters in Gargoyles, but actual, you know, we had we had Oberon and Titania and mm -hmm. Puck and Macbeth and the Weird Sisters um, in the show, not just named for them, but those right. were those characters, at least in theory. And then in Spectacular Spider-Man, 
at Peter Parker's high school. We did a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream yes. and uh, had a lot of fun doing auditions and rehearsals and various episodes and then had a you know, an episode that I'm very fond of. I wrote it, so I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> um, where, well, Spider-Man is trapped in a prison trying to escape all the villains that he put there. We counterposed that with the high school production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And uh, it was, to my mind, a pretty effective um, conceit. Uh, you know, I can't always use it. It's tough to fix Shakespeare into a, galaxy far far away right yeah. um but uh when i can i like to get it in there yeah i think with the uh the superhero genre i think there, there's if you were to blend mythology and and shakespeare and everything there's n a number of ways you could go especially with so many of the characters out there that you've had a chance to work with yeah exactly so with uh, Young Justice, I know it's very, uh, very popular. People, I haven't seen this kind of fervor since uh, almost like the people want a second season of Firefly. I see people all the time. You keep seeing on Twitter the hashtag, keep watching Young Justice, binge Young Justice. Um, we want, you know, renew Young Justice. Is, uh, is it a fruitless hope at this point, or is there still talk that Netflix no, I could? No, so. I, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I think one of the things that was true about the series is that we created sort of a perfect binge watching show four mm. years too soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, my understanding from, uh, very superficial, uh, information that Netflix has put up, uh, is that the show is doing remarkably well. It trends on Netflix all the time. And, uh, I think there's a real shot at bringing it back. You know, we advise people to watch the show over and over again. We advise fans to buy the Blu-rays in particular, mm -hmm. uh, to buy our, we wrote a companion comic series, which is canon yes. to the show and, and has timestamps just like the series did. And we ask people to buy those issues on Comixology or on iTunes, um, because those are ways that they can really demonstrate to powers that be that the show has a viable fandom that's willing to spend money um, to get the, to, you know, if the show came back, even before the show comes back. And, you know, there are a lot of other suggestions that people make, like, let's start a petition, but there have been hundreds of petitions, and that doesn't really, the petitions I feel like are more sort of for the fans, it creates a community, so I don't knock them. But that doesn't actually accomplish anything vis-a-vis -vis the Time Warner. Right. Uh, and if they want to sh demonstrate something to Time Warner, a few hundred signatures, frankly, even a few thousand signatures, doesn't mean nearly as much as binge-watching the show, as buying those Blu-rays, as buying those comics. Exactly. It's all and about the product. It really is. And, it, and it's that simple. You know, I've, I've heard all sorts of particularly on that internet thing, all these rumors about why the show was canceled as if it's some kind of big mystery and that there's no mystery. Um, the show's budget was paid for by the toy line. Mm -hmm. The toy line failed and thus the money to pay for the show went away. Mm. Um, and so what we need to demonstrate now is that given that the whole television paradigm has shifted in the, uh, years since Young Justice went off the air, 
What we need to demonstrate is that this fan base is prepared to support a show under a new paradigm, under the new paradigm. And if they demonstrate that, I think there's a, and I don't say this about every show. People ask me the same thing about, um, especially about Spider-Man or Gargoyles, and I, I'd love to be able to say, yeah, I think we can get them all back, and I don't feel that way. Um, I wish I did. Um, but I do feel that way about Young Justice. I think there is a really good chance of getting it back, but it's, A, about the fans demonstrating it in effective ways, and B, it's also about them realizing that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I get a lot of people going, well, I watched the show. Right. Can I have it back now? <laughs> like, not, first off, it's not up to me. Right. That's one of my hashtags, not up to me. People <laughs> write me and go, why did you cancel the show? I'm like, I didn't cancel the show. Why would I put myself out of work? Exactly. You know, um, uh, it's not my call. I don't even work at Warner Brothers anymore. I don't have any inside information, but I do understand how the business works. And I think this is a real, sincerely viable strategy for getting it back, but they've got to understand it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's not about, you know, buying one Blu-ray and going, well, I did that, now I'm done. No, it's about, you know, demonstrating, spreading the word to other fans. You know, if you have done your part, great, but help us out by making sure that there are new fans and other fans finding out these methods and going for it. Look, I can't offer any guarantees at all. Um, I wish I could because mm. um, uh, I'd love to do the show again. My partner, Brandon Vietti, would love to do the show again. Um, all the voice actors, Phil Barasa, our Emmy-winning character designer, would love to do the show again. There's no one sitting here going, we don't want to do it. Right. Um, but we need to demonstrate to the powers that be that they're going to make money doing it and not lose money doing it, which, frankly, is what happened the first time out. Right. It's all about the money, as we know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back speaking with Greg Weissman after this. This is Greg Grunberg, Snap Wexley from Star Wars. And it's all geek to me, my friends. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio, talking with Greg Weisman, writer, producer, actor, novelist. We were talking about Young Justice right before the break and how important it is to keep making sure the, the powers that be no, there is an interest in a third season, which there certainly is with the hashtags on Twitter, buying the Blu-rays, keep binge-watching it on Netflix. Uh, I know that the Twitter thing didn't seem to help Constantine, which I loved Constantine, uh, and they, they pushed very hard to get a, a Twitter campaign going, hashtag save Constantine, even right into the last-minute meeting to try to pitch season two, and NBC ended up going a different direction. Does the Twitter thing, do you find that helps, Greg? Um, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I'm the goofball who started the Twitter campaign <laughs> in February when uh, season two of Young Justice was put up on Netflix. And, um, and I think it's built and done well. Um, you know, Twitter's a frustrating animal because mm -hmm. of its very nature is it's so ephemeral. So, you know, um, literally on a daily basis, 
I'm answering the same questions over and over again because no one goes to my Twitter feed and goes back and checks right. to see what... Well, let me see if they asked this yesterday, let alone last week. Um, I just keep getting those questions over and over again, and I try my best. I have good days and bad days, I suppose, but I try my best just to be patient about it, um, realizing that to the person who's asking this question, they haven't seen the answer before. And that's the problem with Twitter, but the flip side of it is it also has helped us, without a doubt, reach more people, the word to more people. Um, and so, you know, not a perfect system, but I definitely think it's helped. Um, Twitter, I also at least sort of understand how it works. I'm a Luddite by nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, for example, Facebook, which I can't even get on right now because of keeps crashing on my cell phone, um, is uh, uh, even when I could get on it, I, I never understood it. I didn't understand it. It, it was like a, a mystery to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it doesn't feel intuitive at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure to some people, particularly people considerably younger than me, um, it does seem intuitive or it seems great and whatever, and maybe it is. But again, I'm who I am, and I got on Twitter, and I understood it. I got on Facebook, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, well, it doesn't help they keep changing things every so often, too. It's like Once they get it, I well, think they should leave it alone. That doesn't help, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a tough uh, thing for a, an old uh, curmudgeon like me. <laughs> but, uh, um, but I do think, you know, we, we put stuff up on Facebook, we put stuff up on Twitter... I think some of the fans, I'm not on Instagram or any of those other things, but um, I think some fans have been putting stuff up there as well. And again, all that mm-hmm. stuff helps. Right. Every little bit helps in terms of spreading the word. But again, the key about spreading the word is you need to spread the word to get fans to do the things that help. If you're just telling them about it, that's nice. i got no objection to that, but that's not doing anything vis-a-vis Time Warner. Right. You know, if... If you're just saying, hey, would you like a third season back, but not telling them the the three or four things they can do to actually help us, then that doesn't do much. But if you spread the word and say, here are the things you can do that will really help, and those people start doing that, um, then that's great. And to a large extent, that seems to be what's been happening. Mm -hmm. So, again, no complaints in a macro sense, in a micro sense, on a daily basis, I get frustrated. But sure. Um, but in general, I think it's worked very well for us. So have anyone from Time Warner said, here's the hierarchy, if it's it's binge-watching and then buying the Blu-ray and then this, as they, have they given you anything like these are the numbers we're really focused on looking at? No, they, you know, I don't work for them, so they're not going to give me any strategic gotcha. information. Okay. Um, what, I've, what I've said to them and they're aware of, is that if they wanted to do more, I would come back. And I am also aware of the fact that they would want me to come back. They've mm-hmm. at least expressed that. And again, the people who I worked for at Warner Brothers Animation, they love the show. Even, you know, if people are like, oh, it's those bosses, those right. mystical, mythical bosses. <laughs> They're the problem. I'm like, no, my boss loved the show. Just couldn't pay for it. Right. If you can find a way to pay for it, Maybe he'll bring it back, and he'll bring it back with the key personnel from the sh- first two seasons, and we'll do more. Um, but no, he's not going to sit down and sort of say, well, here's the strategy. Here's And there's not going to be any, like, 
no one's going to give me, I don't even know if, it, if this kind of thing exists, but no one's going to give me like a number and say, if we just sell this many Blu-rays, that'll be what we need. You know, no one's going to. Wouldn't that be nice if they did, though? <laughs> if it was that simple. It'd be great, but life doesn't work that way. Sure. not in this business. And I noticed when I put up on Twitter, I mentioned that I would be uh, talking with you, and I asked a couple of people if they had any questions, they could tweet them. And we got one from at JacksonClyde27, wanted to know uh, if, were there any characters that you were considering bringing in for the third season that we didn't get to see in the first two seasons, or was it going to be more exploring the plot threads that had already been woven? Uh, both. I mean, just as in season one, we started with a core group of characters and kept adding to it, and then season two, we added more characters. If we got a season three, we'd be adding more characters too, but we'd still be picking up on um, what we've already built. It's not like we're starting from scratch in right. season three. Um, but yeah, we would still have new characters. I mean, that's part of the fun. And with the comic book kind of picking up and essentially almost being, like you said, it was canon, um, would there be something that would bridge the comic book into the third season were it to happen? Well, I mean, the comic, uh, we did four trades worth of comic issues. It's 26 issues. Mm -hmm. um, most of those took place during, uh, you know, sort of in between episodes of season one, except for the last uh, set of six, the last trade, um, which took place immediately before season two. We also had a uh, video game um, called Young Justice Legacy that, told a major story that took place in between season one and season two. Um, but, uh, you know, I would hope that if they brought the show back, frankly, I'd hope either way, they'd bring the comic back and we'd get to tell more stories in that medium as well. Um, when and where they'd be set, I've got some ideas, but since we don't actually have an order, I haven't like sat down and said, well, it's definitely going to be this one and this one or something like that. But, you know, everything's fair game. There are more stories to tell that took place during season one. Mm -hmm. The whole five-year gap between season right. one and season two. And there are tons of stories that took place during season two, not to mention stuff that takes place after season two. And, and we would use, um, as we always have, we would use the comic to help um, flesh out the universe and tell some of those stories that, we didn't have room for in the limited amount of screen time we have in episodes. Right. Yeah. It, it just, there were, there are so many things people I know are constantly talking about on Twitter. Oh, I would have loved to have seen this. I loved to have seen this. So hopefully we can end up getting that third season and, uh, and see some of these storylines that people or fans are talking about that you want to do yourself. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back with Greg Weissman after this. Hi, this is Jonathan Katz, and you are listening to geek to me Radio, coming to you live from your radio or your computer. It's a, it's a, it's a show you can listen to. You see what I'm saying? You can hear it. This is something you, you shouldn't expect to see anything. It's a, it's a radio show. That's right. It's a radio. Nothing to see here. But we are talking to Greg Weissman about uh, his work on Young Justice and Gargoyles and Star Wars Rebels. Going, sticking with the Young Justice for just a moment, the, the comic book versus the TV show, um, 
I know it's writing, but is one, did you find was easier or I don't want to say more fulfilling than the other, because I'm sure they're both equally fulfilling, but is, was one uh, easier to do as far as writing wise? Um, in, in the abstract, no. Um, in reality, um, there are a lot more people who want input to a television show than mm-hmm. a comic book. So you've got to um, show your scripts and stuff to a lot more people, mm-hmm. a lot more companies or divisions, I should say, of companies um, than I did on the comic book scripts. Having said that, though, you know, um, we didn't get a ton of uh, static, so to speak, even on the TV show for Young Justice. You know, uh, we had great people we were working with at Warner Brothers, at Cartoon Network, at um, DC Comics. And and uh, for the most part, people weren't sort of saying, well, you can't do that or, oh, you shouldn't do that or that. I mean, there was a little of that. I don't want to pretend it didn't exist, but... Mm-hmm. Um, they really trusted Brandon and myself uh, and let us do our thing. And so, you know, the show you saw on the air is pretty much uh, what we wanted to do. You know, every once in a while there'd be something at the very beginning when we were developing the show in the first place, there were four characters we were told were off limits for legal reasons. Um, and they included both Wonder Girls, for example. People have asked me in the past, you know, did you want to include Wonder Girl? And I'm like, well, in some kind of theoretical sense, yes. But the fact of the matter is, is we found that information out so early that we never really considered mm-hmm. um, them for to be in the main group because we knew they were off limits. Now, the irony was that halfway through season one, the pr- production of season one, we were told, oh, those four characters, you can use them now. But it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's too late for season one, but we did use the Cassie Sandsmark Wonder Girl in um, season two, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we had plans to use the Donna Troy character in a couple episodes of season two. And we ended up not, but not for external reasons. It was because uh, we literally uh, just ran out of time. Our, our character designer ran out of time. We were going to add our version of of, of Donna Troy and our version of Mary Bromfield, um, that is Mary Marvel, mm. who we called Sergeant Marvel, um, to the show. And uh, our character designer just flat out ran out of time. It wasn't time to design the characters. And so we didn't get them into the episode where we had originally planned to, and because we didn't have them there, we couldn't have them in the last episode of the season with all the other heroes. Um, And that was a bummer, but that was a production issue, not sort of something from above, you know, some executive saying, you can't use these characters. That wasn't the case. It was us not having enough hours in the day, really. Which, again, gives us something to look forward to when season three, I'm going to say when season three, because I'm looking forward to it. When season three comes down, we get to look forward to the inclusion of the other other Wonder Girl, Donna Troy. Uh, I'm not not guaranteeing that. Right. (laughs) Well, a a guy can hope, though. Yeah, we can all drink. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, you know, I don't give spoilers. I'm kind of notorious about that. So. Sure, and that's not a bad thing at all. That's I make people wait, and that's that gets them going. They want to see it. Uh, another question we had, going back to the gargoyles from at PLB the Tunist, wanted to know: uh, Disney tends to be doing a lot of live action stuff lately. Is there any chance at all, uh, if you know anything about it, 
if there's any way they might be doing a live action version of Gargoyles at some point? Well, I mean, the short answer is they're not. Um, the longer answer is, is they developed a Gargoyles live action movie for years back in the day mm-hmm. and never found a script that they liked. They went through at least 10 different writers, including me um, and Michael Reeves, who was our lead writer on Gargoyles. Um, and those are the 10 writers. There are 10 writers I know of. They may have gone through even more than that um, and never found a script they want and put the thing in on hold. Um, I think it's a tough sell right now, and, and there's a really obvious reason for that. Disney bought a couple properties, little things you might have heard of called uh, Star Wars and Marvel. Ah, uh, that doesn't ring a bell um, with me, no. Yeah, so <laughs> the thing is, is that you know, if you've got, if you've only got so much money and so many slots to make big live action action films, right? Um, and you've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has been ridiculously successful. Yeah, it's. I mean, a juggernaut and, and, is not. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and by the way, and I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of their movies. Um, the worst of them, I still enjoyed watching. And some of them, I think, are actually really great. Right. Um, and, but like I said, even the one I liked the least, I still enjoyed watching in the theater. And, um, and I thought Force Awakens was great. I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means, but I enjoyed it, and I thought it was great. And in any event, these movies are making them huge fortunes exactly so again in a you know people sort of view a company like disney and go well they've got unlimited resources and relative to you or me i suppose that's true <laughs> but relative to a big company that's not true at all they've right. only got so many slots you know there are only so many big weekends in a year etc um and they've only got so much money to invest and when you've got slam dunks like marvel and lucasfilm um, it's hard to convince them to sort of take a chance on a semi-obscure 90s cartoon that might or might not be a hit for them. Right, sure. You just figure everything old being new again, the, the, the resurgence of the popularity of kind of that retro feel, I thought maybe there might be a, hopefully a place well, for Well, I it. think there was a point where we had a good chance when Transformers hit big. Mm-hmm. Um there was this, you know, it was basically you were in this 80s wave of nostalgia. Mm. And I'm like, well, that wave's going to move forward into the 90s, and then I think we're a good candidate for them. And I think they thought so, too. And we had a little bit of a conversation. It didn't go very far. Um, And then they bought Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) And then they bought Lucasfilm. Mm. And suddenly, you know, uh, the conversation stopped. And I get it. I understand. So, you know, my hope for Gargoyles is more modest at the moment, which is I'm trying to uh, restart the Gargoyles comic book series uh-huh. um, with the current license holder and start in that, on that level, sort of build the audience again by doing in-canon, in-continuity comics of Gargoyles get fans sort of ramped up again and then see where we can take it, whether that's to back to television or movies or whatever. I'm open to anything. 
But it, I think the plan, you know, unlike Young Justice, I think the plan for Gargoyles has to be more modest because I don't see Disney making a huge investment in that property right now. Sure, I mean, um, that's understandable. Given, given, given that they've got so much else going on. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really that simple. Even from the standpoint of their TV animation division, again, you know, you want an action show, you could, I suppose, reboot Gargoyles or bring it back or whatever. And God knows, I'd love to bring it back. I'm not too excited about the notion of rebooting it because that would be like starting over. Right. But, um, and I don't think that's necessary, but I'd love to bring it back. Um, and, uh, but it's the same kind of dilemma. They can make cartoons of Guardians of the Galaxy. They can make cartoons of Spider-Man or the Avengers. It's sort of hard to convince them, no, you shouldn't be doing that Marvel show in that time <laughs> slot. You should be doing, you should, don't do Star Wars Rebels, do Gargoyles. And that's a really tough sell. Yeah, sure. And I understand that. I, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm happy about it, but I totally get it because I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I love Star Wars. I'd like to see that stuff, too, but I'd also like to see Gargoyles. So I think we have to start more modestly right. on that property. And, again, you know, Gargoyles is my baby. Um, sure, yeah. And, and so nothing would please me more than bringing it back. But, you know, again, reality has to inject itself at some point. See, I think if, you know, if Disney wants to do something, I think they should make it a live-action TV series and have them cross over with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. See, that problem solved. I think that would be brilliant. Yeah, that sounds awful, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just spitballing, Greg. I'm just spitballing yeah. right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our final segment with Greg Weissman after this. Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio, and we're back for our final segment with Greg Weissman, writer, producer, actor, and novelist, talking about the novels, uh, the trilogy. When do you have a, an ETN? When we can see Mask of Bones? Well, it, for starters, I just—it's not a trilogy. It's a, I don't a even series? know the word. It's nine books. It's um, an a nonology. I don't okay. know what to call it. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, you know, I, uh, the problem I'm having, and on one level it's a good problem to have, is that uh, I want to get to Mask of Bones, but I just spent um, the last year writing uh, a novel for uh, Scholastic Books and, and Blizzard Entertainment, uh, World of Warcraft Traveler, Ooh. and that's out in November. And I'm now in the, I literally in the middle of writing chapter three of the second book in that series. And um, if people are wondering, well, why didn't I finish the Reign of the Ghost series before I jumped to the other? The answer is, frankly, monetary. Uh, I have to pay the mortgage and sure. feed my family. And, <laughs> I'm um, sure your family appreciates and, that, too. That's Right. So <laughs> I and the fact is, is that um, I only have so much, uh, you know, brain space. And, uh, and so writing one novel at a time is pretty much my limit. Right. But I have, you know, again, I I love writing traveler. It's out in November. I'm very excited for people to see it. I'm very proud of the book, 
but that is a property owned by Blizzard Entertainment, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I am on one level desperate to get back and write Mask of Bones, which is the third book in the Reign of the Ghost series, because that's mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the advantage of it. The disadvantage is it doesn't pay anything. Right. So, um, uh, and unfortunately, the series hasn't been a big enough hit to generate the kind of even, you know, one hundredth of Harry Potter level <laughs> that would allow me to sort of, OK, I can give up these other things and focus on rain, which I would love to do, but I can't afford to, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, but I, I know exactly the story for all nine books. Um, and uh, Rain of the Ghost is out there. So is the second book in the series, Spirits of Ash and Foam. You can get them on Amazon. You can go into any bookstore. If they don't happen to be on the shelf when you walk in the door, you can go to the front desk and order them. Um, There's also uh, the Rain of the Ghost audio play. This is not a standard um, audio book with one guy narrating the whole thing. This is 20 actors uh, playing 30 roles. This is almost four hours of original music, um, sound effects, Foley, the works. It's basically like a four-hour movie in your head um, with incredibly talented people from shows like Young Justice and Gargoyles and Star Wars Rebels and um, Spectacular Spider-Man, people like Ed Asner, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, uh, Tom Adcox, Josh Keaton, Steve Bloom, Vanessa Marshall. It's a truly wow. stunningly amazing cast of 20. Um, and you can download that now uh, at gumroad.com slash reign of the ghosts. Reign is R-A-I-N and ghosts is plural. So gumroad.com slash reign of the ghosts. You can download it now. And I know I'm biased since I produced it, but and wrote it, but I honestly could not be prouder of how this audio play turned out. I think it it truly is stunningly great, um, even relative to my work, and I really hope people um, the audio play, the more likely that I'll be able to get back to them faster Hmm. um, and not have to take other work for monetary reasons. Yeah, and that's uh, it. And I noticed you uh, the, just the talent you mentioned, the voice talent. Uh, Marina Sirtis and Brent Spiner, you worked with them on uh, Gargoyles as well as Young Justice. Brent Spiner was the Joker in Young Justice. And uh, I, I almost didn't recognize the voice at first until I saw it in the credits. I was like, ah, oh, that's Brent Spiner. So I, I guess you have a good relationship with the two of them, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're friends. They're great. Uh, they're both great. I met them both doing Gargoyles. Marina played our, one of our lead villains, Demona. Uh, Brent played Puck. Um, Brent was also, uh, I, I was one of the producers of the first season of Star Wars Rebels and Brent did a voice for mm-hmm. us there. Um, and, uh, um, and both Brent and Marina, as you said, were in Young Justice with Brent playing Joker and Marina playing Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're absolutely great people and so much fun to work with and, and good friends, and, and they both came on board to do Reign of the Ghosts as well. Um, and uh, so you can also check out, we did making up, for the audio play, we did making of 
videos at uh, reignoftheghost.com. It's a Kickstarter site, but we already funded. It's done. It's not, like if you go to the Kickstarter site, we'll still be asking for backers and donations and stuff okay. like that. Uh, I mean, the videos ask for it, but they're, we don't need it anymore. So, right. uh, But if you want to see the making up videos, both Marina's in that, uh, Ed Asner, uh, Brent, um, and a bunch of other people who uh, worked on the project are all interviewed on these making up videos. And you can see how we produced it and what we did and that kind of thing, reignoftheghost.com. You know, with obviously with your with your body of work that you've already demonstrated your writing skills, and then with a, a, a cast like that, I don't see how uh, how that could miss. Well, really, everyone who's heard it, our the reviews have been very good, but our problem has been getting that critical mass of people knowing about it, right? Um, and that's been difficult. I mean, you know, as effective as, for example, as Twitter has been for the Young Justice campaign, as we were mentioning earlier. It has not been at all effective <laughs> in spreading the word about Reign of the Ghost, the books, or Reign of the Ghost, the audio play. Um, you know, those people who have read the books uh, seem to really like it. Those people who have heard the audio play seem to really like it. Um, I'm not saying we've got no negative reviews, but our percentages are beyond fantastic. Um, and uh, yet we clearly have not reached anything close to the kind of critical mass we need, um, despite me talking ad nauseum about all of it um, and tweeting ad nauseum about all of it, um, that hasn't gone viral at all the way the Young Justice thing was, which is understandable, um, but disappointing. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, I would imagine so. But yeah, there's uh, there, some, 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 some of the times this just, it'll sneak up on you too. So hopefully if, uh, if you're listening to this right now, Go check that out. It was reignoftheghost.com to see the making of the video. And then the uh, audio play is available through audiobook on Amazon. Gumroad.com. Gumroad.com. We are, we will eventually have it up on uh, Amazon, Audible, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, that process, as it's turning out, I didn't realize this takes much longer than we thought. We finished this in January, and we're still in the process of getting it up on Audible slash Amazon slash ACX. Um, and... I didn't know it would take over nine months to get <laughs> it up. I didn't think it would take any time, honestly, <laughs> but it does. So that right. was a surprise to me. Um, but in the meantime, if you can't wait, uh, and actually I don't want you to wait, uh, it's just as easy to download off of gumroad.com slash reign of the ghosts. Gumroad.com slash reign, as in the weather of the ghosts, plural, dot com. Perfect. Uh, Greg, thank you so much. I, I wish we... I'd, Love to talk to you for another hour, but I want to uh, make sure you get uh, all the all the stuff you need to do in on your end. So thank you very much for speaking with us, and we'll be back after this segment. We've been talking with Greg Weitzman. We'll have more coming up.
We were betrayed by the humans we had sworn to protect, frozen in stone by a magic spell for a thousand years. Now here in Manhattan, the spell is broken, and we live again! And that, of course, the iconic opening to perhaps, honestly, one of the greatest cartoon series of all times, Gargoyles. It's got to rank at least in your top ten. Uh, no matter how picky you are, it was a fantastic series. And uh, we talked to Greg Weissman. The, uh, hopefully, maybe some point down the road, we might get another one. That's his baby, like he said. And if you're listening to this in the podcast version, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate all your support. You can always... Go to the website, geek2meradio.com. I've got badges in the upper right-hand corner. It'll take you to my YouTube page for unboxing videos, celebrity interviews, and other archived versions of the show. I would also encourage you to follow me on Twitter, at geek2meradio, and on Instagram, at geek2meradio, and facebook.com slash geek2meradio. We always appreciate your support and your following and your comments. We did have those couple of comments on Twitter for Greg Weissman, and uh, he answered those. I wish I had him on longer. We could have talked to, I want, didn't really get into Star Wars Rebels or Spectacular Spider-Man as much as I'd wanted to. Uh, but yeah, Gargoyles and Young Justice, those, you know, love those cartoons. He also, just to run down the list for you one more time, Rider of Gargoyles, Men in Black, the series, Hercules, the series, Roughnecks, Starship Trooper Chronicles, which was actually Emmy-nominated, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, Bionicle Mask of Light, The Batman, which I think had five seasons. Loved that one. It was the Jackie Chan style of animation. They brought in Batgirl before they brought in Robin. I actually love that cartoon series. I'm not sure why some people kind of bash it a little bit. Um, I guess when you've got the other series out there, but I love The Batman. Kim Possible, Legion of Superheroes, Ben 10, Spectacular Spider-Man, Batman Brave and the Bold, which was a lot of fun. Young Justice, of course. Uh, Beware the Batman, Star Wars Rebels, Transformers Rescue Bots, and if you're a fan of the live-action series The Flash on the CW, he writes for that one for General Wade Eiling, one of the villains of the show, producer of Gargoyles, producer of Spectacular Spider-Man, producer of Young Justice, and of course Star Wars Rebels. And for those of you who like the Young Justice, he voiced Captain Adam and Snapper Carr. So a little bit of everything, and you will want to go check out his series of novels as well, Reign of the Ghosts, Spirits of Ash and Foam, and at some point, Mask of Bones coming out. Um, this has been great. If, I know everyone's a fan of, of the genre, and it, I love to talk to people like Greg who are themselves. They're, they're, they do it for a living, but they also love it. Uh, he talked about writing the Young Justice comic book series, and off the air in between breaks, we talked about he wrote the Star Wars Canon series for Marvel. Uh, Marvel having the new line of Star Wars comics. Uh, if you haven't read any of those yet, I would suggest picking those up. Kanan especially, and Vader Down is also very good. That's going to do it for this edition of geek to me Radio. Thank you again very much for listening, and keep being whelmed.
Thank you very much.